Ayushi Mona and you're listening to India Booked, a podcast where we lean into the idea of India through its literature and we speak to authors who bring this to life. Hi everyone, I am Ayushi Mona, your host on India Booked, a podcast where we lean into the idea of India through the voice of its literature. Today I have with me Ishmeet Nagpal. Um, Ishmeet is somebody I have known personally for a while. He's a published poet and a social activist. He's the editor-in-chief at Ratio Orium Publishers, which is an indie publishing house. Her writing is focused on feminism, social justice, mental health, empathy and building safe spaces. She's co-edited a poetry anthology called Isolocation Poems, which released a few months ago. And today we are going to talk about it. Well, thank you, Ayushi. Thank you for having me. So, Ishmeet, um, uh, you know, the first question, right, that I have for you is that how triggering was it for you to really be um, dissecting these stories around mental health and the COVID pandemic? As much as we were uh, triggered, I guess, by the entire happening of whatever was going on around us, because it was not just the pandemic that was affecting everybody. It's also the socio-political climate in general and the economy uh, of India, which has a lot of us worried, especially those of us who are uh, living in cities or starting out their careers. So it was a time of great uncertainty. Uh, which bred a lot of anxiety. I think part of why we decided to write poems to process all of this was to uh, get through the triggers, basically, and not fall uh, into a deeper isolation within oneself because we were physically distanced from everybody. We felt like if we could have a way to connect virtually with people, And what better way to do that than write poetry together? So that's how we decided that for National Poetry Writing Month in April, we will have a group of people write poems every single day. And out of that came out a beautiful book, which is Isolocation Poems. That's so wonderful. And I think uh, the whole aspect of community really, right, which that effort sort of encapsulates, is something that, really is the sort of differentiating feature between how we view our lives pre and post pandemic right because none of us ever realized that we needed people to the extent that we do when we were just forced to live by ourselves right what out of you know perhaps from the poems and and from uh, the discourses that uh, you you know were privy to and the conversations in your april reviews what really stood out as an experience where you said that, oh my God, I never thought of it like this. Um, but yeah, this is true. And I wouldn't have realized it had it not been for this sea change in the way we live our lives. Um. So this question has been asked uh, many times to me and I have evolved uh, in the way I answer it also because we are still going through the after effects of the shock which the pandemic was and now trying to adapt to a new way of living. So the answer does change. But what I found was that a lot of things 
in the pre-pandemic and the post-pandemic world, which I thought would change, did not change at all. Now, for example, even when we were doing this writing exercise together with so many writers, I was thinking that, you know, now they would have issues like they have to stay home all day or they've lost out on their job. But still, I was seeing a lot of people come out with poetry, which was about the discrimination they were facing in their homes or in general about feminism, which I, why, I don't know, but I thought maybe some of it might have reduced the, you know, the harassment and the discrimination because you're not going out on the street. So at least that aspect of, you know, strangers groping you every day is gone. But then a lot of things don't change at all. It doesn't uh, matter whether you are in a pre-pandemic or a post-pandemic world. The things that affect us still say this, stay the same. Uh, the things that affect us stay the same in terms of the discriminations we face, be it on the basis of our gender, be it on the basis of our caste, be it on the basis of, um, you know, religion. So we uh, really could not have a delineation of what were the issues before the pandemic and what were the issues after this pandemic has hit us because those issues have stayed consistently the same, even their, uh, even in their forms of their uh, perpetration they have remained the same. It has not meant that sexual harassment is not happening anymore. It has not meant that caste discrimination is not happening anymore. It has not put an end to anything. Uh, all it has done is make us um, feel closer in terms of um, how much we cherish each other, I guess, because skin hunger is a thing, um, which I have also started to discover how important it is to just shake hands with somebody or, um, you know, be able to pat your friend on the shoulder without thinking twice about it or to mm -hmm. hug someone you meet after a long time. But now they have to first go and sanitize themselves, isolate themselves for 14 days while you wait outside their door waiting to hug them. So it is a shifted reality, yes. But a lot of the issues and problems that we were facing before are still the same. So, Ishmeet, actually, you know, I'd like to bring... There is the public sphere, right? And then there is the home sphere, right? So, and in terms of the public sphere, which is the external space, right? And and very rightly so that much like the sort of layers of the external world, all its tappings and problems have sort of decreased, etc. And, and then there's this personal space, which you speak of, right? Which is, you know... Uh, you know, aching to say meet somebody or to shake hands with them or be with them. Would you say that specific, right, to the public sphere, you also have seen things uh, emerging, right, which you never would probably see as consciously? For instance, we see a lot of movements or a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of talk around, say, something as simple as a, a dhaba being... Um, you know, doing fundraising or a mango seller who uh, who is has you know people support them right because they've said lost livelihoods during this time and then obviously there is a parallel universe which which could be like a private sphere where a woman is say facing harassment or domestic violence at home which is further exaggerated because now she probably the the six seven hours in a day when she was free to step out she doesn't have it 
so between this convergence between the public sphere and the private sphere and in people's lives and especially because so much of your own work right is about safe spaces about empathy and and people and how they deal with those spaces is that something um uh, that sort of makes you wonder that oh this is say the good that's come out of it while everything else right that we were grappling with as a society is just the same and maybe worse because there added economic pressures i wouldn't say anything good came out of the pandemic at all i would never say that because every aspect of uh, the pandemic be it economic or be it in terms of our personal lives it has been detrimental to everybody um a lot of people in the beginning were trying to find positivity and say that oh nature is healing there's less pollution and all of those things but i don't believe the pandemic did us any good in terms of that yes it's nice to hear feel good stories i do feel like online activism has gathered more force because i always used to think that just uh labeling people who do their activism primarily online labeling them as uh you know keyboard warriors or um saying things which are basically you know or saying things like uh, these are not real activists who only practice their activism online i always found this a very ableist con- concept because this is an ableist concept in terms of not everybody has the means or uh, the will or the ability to be on ground in terms of doing any kind of activism that brings change which doesn't mean that online activism is not valid uh, but because of the pandemic because people are now not able to step outside the activism has also shifted its sphere more in a focused way to the online spaces and social media which i think is good in the long run uh, for people to continue this because a lot of people don't understand that uh, even coming out to a protest which seems like a very easy thing for some people is a very difficult thing for other people it's a very difficult thing in terms of even physically accessing these spaces and going to them going to crowded spaces because of their mental health issues also a lot of people face social anxiety or anxiety in closed spaces anxiety in crowds so it doesn't mean that these people cannot be part of the movement which i think due to the pandemic and due to all of us staying home all of us are able to bond a little bit better online and consolidate better in our activism online and that i think has been the only positive shift that i have seen uh, otherwise i would say everything is just going downhill but i'm i'm a pessimist but even things like writing poetry during the pandemic it gave me some hope even a person like me who thinks every day about the existential crisis and how you know everything is not good even for a person like me if i open the book and i just read one of the poems and i remember how it felt to um, you know try to hold on to each other and to hope so only that i think has given me some sort of comfort no i think uh, uh, pessimist or optimist right uh, it it's uh, you know a completely and of course everyone's opinion is is valid their perspectives for you ishmeet right because you you hand picked the poems that went into isolocation right 
how did you decide what the structure is going to be like uh how like how did you decide what goes into what parts what are the thematic shifts that you want to bring out and then how did you decide um uh, that you know you want to do that and, and and of course one of the things that i wanted to say right after you finished speaking is that i'm so glad that you brought out that point of uh, you know this whole uh, keyword or keyboard warriors or armchair activists right we think of digital enabling a lot of things right like education right everyone say always talks about how the pandemic made children shift to very burdensome online education or or working from home right but a lot of people don't talk, or even businesses selling online of course but a lot of people never really look at how um the basic premise of activism or to be dissenting online or or speaking up um or speaking for anything right changed due to this intervention and i'm actually super super glad that you brought that up because it's a perspective we don't tend to think of often and and that's uh, actually a, a great point so so that's something that i forgot to mention which i really think i should have said up front uh, but yes coming back to my question since you were cherry picking these poems ishmit how did you go about it thematically um so what happened in terms of processing all the poems that came into us for putting them together into this collection uh, it was never a very planned thing to start with uh, it was never like oh these are our deadlines and this is the excel sheet and this is how it's going to happen because when the pandemic started i started saying this one thing to people i said we are in a global pandemic it's a deadly disease deadlines are dead do not talk to me about deadlines now so for all these months i have never given anyone a deadline neither have i accepted a deadline because the life around us is changing so rapidly and is so uncertain that it's unrealistic to put that kind of pressure on anybody and uh, when we started out by, uh, while doing national poetry writing month uh, we never knew how many poems we were going to get out of it we thought maybe five writers will participate maybe we'll have like 15 good poems at the end of the month and maybe we'll put them in a chapbook and you know put it on kindle so it was very organic uh, the way that the group picked up because people referred each other to the group and said oh if you like to write there's this group that i'm doing uh, a challenge with so why don't you also join so like that uh, people just kept adding on to the group and in the end we had hundreds of poems uh, at the end of april but the selection process for us was very uh, you know a, a very separated from uh, or the selection process i would say was very organic in terms of just looking at what the poem makes us feel and which poem is good okay so we never even looked at who is the author of this poem or who has submitted this poem it was a very blind process in that sense where only the poems were uh, in front of us and we could look at them and just feel that is this poem saying something to us and should we pick this poem up there was also another difference in terms of what other uh, books or anthologies that i've submitted to before what they do they ask for your submissions and they rarely come back to you with any edits or anything uh, what we did was that even throughout the month we were workshopping these poems with the authors and after the selections also there were certain poems where we felt oh this poem 
could be better we could elevate it to another level by doing this or that or adding a metaphor or maybe changing the title to something else and maybe you know giving one kind of twist to one kind of poem and make it an even better poem and our authors were i would say the best people because they never let any ego or anything come in between everybody wanted to have the best uh, you know their best performance and their best product to come forward um so that's how we selected the poems by just organically seeing the poems themselves not who wrote them and which is why in the book if uh, someone reads the book isolocation poems they'll be puzzled to see that some poets have like two or three poems and other poets have six or seven poems because we never had that category in mind that oh we are going to have five authors with three poems each we never thought about it in those terms so organically 44 poems came out of the shortlisting and were worked upon further and then became the final product and then all nine poets got together on a whatsapp group and all nine of them wrote a poem together which is the title poem of isolocation which is also an interesting experiment i think for people to see how nine voices can become one you know i'm so glad um, that you shared this i remember right and this is one of my experiences for college i had a class on communication and storytelling right and me and a couple of other batchmates together worked on a poem and uh, and you know we presented that as our final submission and of course the submission could be like a a graphic novel a, a poem a novel uh, a short story could be anything right um could be a poster however uh, you know my professor wrote back to me saying that how is it possible for three people to write a poem a poem was always written by one person and you know i had to really explain it to her and and, and she didn't buy it so i am thrilled that you did this experiment and it and it's bought out such a beautiful work and if, and if you know if you don't tell someone or if somebody doesn't read it right they wouldn't even be able to make yeah by the time even we finished writing that poem so when we started we were like trying to be very methodical that okay all the poets in alphabetical order first poet you start with two lines and the next poet will take it forward and the next poet will take it forward uh, it did not happen this way Uh, everybody wrote very uh, different kinds of things in different uh, kinds of words and different kinds of moods um and they sent it to me and i said okay just let me sit with it for tonight and see what happens and overnight i think i just added them all together so there is a part in the poem where half a sentence is from one poet and the other half of the sentence has been completed by another poet so you can't even demarcate that these three lines are for this one poet or these four lines are from this one poet it all got merged so beautifully together because when a lot of people are going through the same thing and you spend some amount of time together even if it's not you know physically we were virtually spending time with each other you do get a little bit of idea about how the other person thinks and where their mind is going so if one poet is going too much into melancholy the other poet will try to lift them up and that i think was the beauty of this collaboration because they were lifting each other up and it's so interesting right especially because 
a book about isolation a book about solitude in a pandemic is a kind of poetic collaboration we've never heard of right in 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 the scheme of indian literature before yeah i mean even the title which was beautifully uh, given to us by meeta sen gupta the title isolocation is so apt because it's almost an oxymoron it's almost like saying that oh we are all together but we are in different locations and that is the reality of our times that's the duality of our times that we can say that we are very connected to each other very close to each other yet some of them have not met each other so it did feel like uh, a little ironic also to be writing about isolation while having this group of people start to bond with each other so much uh, but i think a life's beauty is in these dualities and in these oxymorons and that's what makes it exciting i guess I, and we could all do with some kind of excitement and inspiration during these times that is true and 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 also i think a bunch of the other poems in the book right uh, in in this whole gamut of dealing with oxymorons have managed to bring out such beautiful uh, descriptions of solitude right like you know like for instance in the poem which is a small scary list right where this person is talking about that they're scared to be alone because what if there's a gas leak while they're sleeping or they fall down and there's nobody to find them right and these are such common fears right and they're so central to our being right people i mean people are terrified of loneliness not because of being away from people but what it could mean for their own physical safety and psychological safety yeah and it is i think increasingly important to voice out these fears and anxieties because all of us have them if i didn't have the people that i live with if i didn't have my dog with me uh, which did happen for a few days when i was living alone those few days took the life out of me i just became so despondent and i was like nothing is worth you know going further and getting up every day cooking for yourself going to sleep alone a whole day would go by without me saying a single word because there's no one around and these are legitimate concerns that people have i think this also makes me think of some of the apathy that was shown to migrant workers who wanted to go back home because a lot of uh, corporations and governments and a lot of powerful people they did not want the migrant workers to leave their cities and go back to their hometowns because for them they are just human resources but they are human beings first they also have a need for safety they also have a need to be around their family they also have a need to go where they will at least have food and if not food and shelter they will at least be close to their families so if we can understand that nris or people who had gone abroad need to be rescued and brought back and so that they can be with their families why couldn't people understand why the migrant workers were walking back home why were uh, you know why was no empathy or sympathy shown to them because it is easy to visualize an nri crying for his mother abroad somewhere but it's not easy for you to see why these people also want to go home they are the same human beings so this need for being in a safe space uh, which also brings me back to what you were saying about domestic violence because for a lot of people 
uh, when you said stay home, stay safe, the home is not safe for them, especially for people who are undergoing any kind of violence from their partners, from their families, or any kind of violence because of their identities or because of their sexual orientation, because of their gender identity. A lot of queer and trans people uh, got the worst end of the deal. Um, a lot of people who are facing mental health issues are also still trying to you know, access the spaces which were earlier a safe haven for them. People don't understand how important uh, certain collectives are when women's collectives or queer collectives are physically taken away from you. Those spaces are taken away from you where you could finally be yourself. How hard that hits you. People don't realize that. True, Ishmi. Then, you know, this whole... And I think the pandemic really brought into focus right on how we treat groups within the country and the the level of othering right that we do because when say all of these policies and you know these last minute ideas were being made or when you know there was this entire issue that's being dealt with uh, millions and millions of people their identity was forgotten very much like you forget anonymous uh, watchmen at IT's gate or an anonymous person who delivers your vegetables, right? You never notice them. You so you become so blind to them. The level of othering when there was a pandemic and when all of these things broke out, uh, from a socio-cultural lens, people just forgot, right? The house you and you're lucky to have a house. You just locked yourself in it, and then you know, your policies and plans were for people who had a house that they could stand uh, and sit in. Yeah, and have balconies, have balconies in their house to light diyas and uh, bang the thalis, have balconies. I was so irritated by the assumption that the populace has a roof over their head and they have balconies. Um, yeah, and, really and awesome. also that they uh, live in Bombay where everything is like a matchstick. <laughs> yeah, I mean... What you said about othering is right in so many ways because all of us, when we were collaborating on the book also, we were forced to check where our marginalization or our uh, structural oppression was located for each one of us. If for, uh, say, Nadim, his identity, uh, his religious identity becomes something that is vilified every single day in the media because at that time the Tablighi Jamaat uh, incident was still going on. Or um, someone like Manini who feels deeply how much, uh, you know, there is a disbalance between women and men who are in the professional environment. Because, see, when you say work from home, it's very easy to say, ki, okay, now you were working in the office for eight hours, you don't have to commute also, so you put in nine hours of work from home. Now, these people are not taking into account that the children who were going to school earlier are not going to school. Okay, so they are at home. Their mothers are expected to be with them while their online classes happen. 
or they are expected to be around and take care of them the child care burden is on them the entire time and still the companies are expecting the mothers to put in the same amount of work from home as their male colleagues and none, no one is expecting the men of the house to contribute in any way to the household chores or the child rearing so everything disproportionately fell on a certain type of people uh everything disproportionately affected women everything disproportionately affected a religion uh, everything disproportionately affected um, dalit bahujan people so everything became came down to where is your marginalization where is your structural oppression located because that is who you are now because that's the level of othering that has been placed upon everybody Ishmeet, just to sort of continue on this thread of conversation, right? Your next uh, anthology, right, is is on cityscapes, right? Do you want to tell us a little bit about it, and do you would you explore similar uh, themes um, in the upcoming piece as well? Because uh, aren't our cities also sources of our conflicts and and all of these class, gender, uh, and economic social everything right stems from how we are situated within our cities as well uh that is where like the idea of doing an anthology uh, of uh, not just poems but also short stories uh, the submissions are now open by the way uh, till 31st december 2020 for the cityscapes anthology we are soliciting poems as well as short stories because we do want to delve deeper into what cities mean to us especially in the context of uh, what the pandemic has made us see now for example i moved from mumbai to bangalore in the middle of the pandemic because for me mumbai was becoming unaffordable and for a lot of people this has happened even in bangalore uh, there is a entire uh, commercial street which is completely shut down and empty and all the people who used to live there as paying guests or as uh, rent in rented apartments have left and gone to their hometowns and villages when uh, the concept of work from home comes in or the concept of keeping yourself alive in a city when you are losing your uh, sources of income when the in- economy is suffering so badly what does it mean now to view a city or to live in a city or to think about a city or even fantasize about a city there are a lot of people who might still be thinking about that the minute this pandemic is over i'll go to mumbai and try my luck in such and such sector or the minute this pandemic ends i'll go to bangalore and try for such and such job what does it mean really to uh, live in a city when the, whatever the city could offer you is no longer available like for me the the foremost reason of me moving to mumbai was because i wanted to be part of the spoken word poetry community and at that time the community wasn't uh, viral or big which it became later but at least it existed um, and for a person like me who had worked in haryana for 4 years it was an entirely different world to go to mumbai yeah you are a medical professional i, I know i didn't say it in your bio <laughs> but yeah so for me for a person like me who wanted to come to mumbai with this uh, only one requirement in my mind that all i want is to be part of a community that 
you know discusses or reads or writes poetry or recites poetry uh, for a person like me when mumbai went into lockdown it stopped serving its purpose for me and since the economy was going down our job prospects also suffered and all of that it became difficult to live there it became unnecessary to live there i have no regrets about leaving mumbai because i have left nothing behind there is nothing happening that i'm missing out on so what does it mean to people to think about living in a city to think about how they're going to survive in a city how what stories come out of visits to different cities um, because i have uh, so many stories about my adventures uh, in jaipur i have stories about being left alone in visakhapatnam for 3 days and not knowing what to do stranded over there so we do want to hear about nostalgia yes but also about the new shifting perspective of how we view city living and cities in general that sounds absolutely delightful and you know now that you've mentioned it right i'm i'm myself thinking right of this relationship that i have with cities that i've lived in you know a city where i was born a city where i studied a city where uh, i studied in school versus a city where i studied in college versus a city where i did a post grad versus one where i worked versus one where i traveled and you have such a unique relation to each of these cities right and, and it comes out all the time right you you'll have people from um, uh, bengaluru doing a hashtag #bengaluru on twitter and you will have mumbai people for whom going to marine drive is the biggest liberation during the pandemic that hey this is a normal so if we can return back to walking on marine drive a lot a lot is back to normal right and we never think of these symbolic as assertions i'm so thrilled uh, that you're doing uh, you know this submission and it's i'm also glad it's open till the 31st of september i hope you get a ton of entries ishmeet all the very best with the new book for everyone listening in guys um isolation is available on amazon uh, do check the book out it's an amazing array of incredible poems um about our relationships about solitude about uh, ambition dejection paranoia uh, the disenchantment uh, with uh, dissent and everything that's happened during this pandemic i hope you will enjoy the poem try out the book as well as send your submissions thank you ishmeet for doing this with us thank you ayushi thank you for having me and i hope people get to read the book and it's also available on kindle so do check it out and support your fellow poets and indie publishing houses if you want to have more such work come out thank you ayushi thanks ishmeet do not forget to tune into us on spotify google podcasts Apple Podcasts, Gana and HT Smartcast.